Squares Fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Welcome once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. This is your host, Steve Fielder, this old gravelly voice that you're probably used to hearing by now. Uh, Real pleased today to have a guy that's been in all over social media ever since this past Saturday night. Of course, these podcasts are are recorded about a week ahead of the time they uh, are uh, broadcast. I think this one is going to be broadcast on Halloween night, so (laughs) maybe if things get a little spooky here, (laughs) you'll know why. But at any rate, our guest today is Duel Murphy, who's just won the AKC World Coonhound Championship, um, and we're really uh, excited about talking to Duel. And uh, so uh, before I get into that, I want to thank my friends out at DU Hunting Supply, uh, Buddy Woodbury, Jason Doobie, the whole staff out there that uh, makes it possible for this podcast to be uh, on the air, so to speak, every week. So we want to thank those guys. If you need anything in the way of hunting supplies for you or your hound, uh, they've got it at DU Supply, and they absolutely service what they sell and uh, a lot of good technical support and all that. So uh, uh, just a big shout-out to our friends out there at DU Hunting Supply. Okay, I want to introduce right away here uh, – This gentleman from Huntington, Indiana, up in the northeast corner, not far from Fort Wayne, Duel Murphy. How you doing, Duel? Pretty good, buddy. I'm happy to be here, and I I appreciate it. And uh, we're just uh, hunkered down here a little bit before we uh, go hunting out here tonight. Well, I figured if I wanted to catch you, I was going to have to do it before dark. <laughs> yes, sir. It, uh, it's just now getting dark, but I think we've got a little bit of rain moving in, so uh, uh-huh. it's about it's about perfect time for right now. <laughs> well, good, good. Well, I'm glad to certainly uh, be able to talk with you, and I think I mentioned earlier I saw the uh, YouTube video you did with Clayton Stark with Stark Outdoors and I enjoyed that a lot. And uh, a lot of things have happened uh, since you did that uh, video. And uh, I want to talk to you uh, about those things because I know our listeners are going to be very interested in what you have to say. Um, Duel, I want to do just a little bit of background on you. We always do this with guests. And I know unless these guys have been under a rock uh, somewhere, they've heard your name. And they've seen your pictures in ProHound and in the other uh, publications. And anywhere there's a major coonhound event these days, uh, you seem to be right in the thick of things. But how about giving me just a little bit of background about who Duel Murphy is, uh, your age, uh, you know, just your family, just some background. Yeah, I'm uh, 32 years old. Um all my family, um, none of them ever coon hunted before, you know, um, I, uh, I used to race dirt bikes since I've been five years old until, uh, about five or six years ago, I, I decided to quit doing that. I had my first kid and, uh, I didn't want to get hurt and not ever be able to play with my kid, you know? So, uh, quit doing that. 
and I was kind of in coon hunting just a little bit, just pleasure hunting on the weekends and stuff. And, uh, I figured, uh, I started doing a little $30 hunts here and there, some UKC stuff and really just got hooked off of it. And, uh, this is where we are now. Uh, it's probably been about six, six years, six or eight years since I started hunt, hunting, probably five years since I started competition hunting pretty, mm. pretty regular, you know? Yeah. Well, when you're a guy my age, and of course I've been around the sport for ever since I was a kid, but it's pretty remarkable what you've been able to accomplish in that short period of time. And you and I were talking a little bit when I learned that you lived up there in, in, uh, around Huntington, Indiana, that uh, some names, uh, the na the Searles name uh, came to mind right away. And we were talking about Joe and Roger Searles. And I believe you told me that Roger is the one that pretty much got you involved in coon hunting. Is that right? Yes, sir. His, uh, his grandsons, Zach Stell and Trace Searles, they're the ones that uh, every weekend when Friday came around, we knew we were going to grandpa rogers to uh go coon hunting all weekend we'd grab a hunt during the day and and coon hunt all night and he had a few blue tick dogs that we'd always take out and oh yeah they uh they'd always show us coon you know yeah well that was uh that was fun stuff for a young guy wasn't it yeah it, uh, it was fun for us and I, I think it kept us out of trouble from being in town you know Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing when you're young and, uh, you know, you get to that certain age, you know, you're going to get out and do something. So if you can kind of direct that activity into something a little less, uh, uh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to use, but you know, most kids go to town on Saturday night and you were going to the woods, I guess. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and we, uh, I, honestly look forward to it every weekend you know i was like oh, i can't wait for the weekend to get here I'm, I'm ready to go coon hunting again yeah yeah for sure well how did you ease into or did you just jump in with both feet into the competition game see uh i bought a dog off craigslist uh his name was sherm and uh i didn't know what i had because i really didn't know what a dog was you know mm. and uh bought him off craigslist and hunted him i think for a few months and decided that i wanted to go to a competition hunt and uh went over there to uh i think it was the marion indiana club is okay. what it was i don't think it, they still have that open now and uh i think they had a, maybe eight casts or four casts or something but uh they i actually won early and uh I think them guys were running for a truck ticket and they wanted to hunt it off late. Well, I didn't know nothing about none of that. You know, I was just happy to be there. And, uh, <laughs> I, uh, we hunted it off late. Um, it was Mike Nelson, oh, yeah. Jeremy, Jeremy Jones. And, uh, I forget the other guy's name that was with us. Um, but, uh, I ended up winning it and, uh, I almost took a couple lessons <laughs> on it <laughs> but uh i got lucky and and won it and kind of been hooked ever since yeah you know, I, I really didn't know what a dog was then and what they needed to do and 
I guess he was the right one. And I got lucky buying him off Craigslist because all them guys were wanting to buy him after the hunt. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, for way more yeah. than what I, than what I bought the dog for. Sure. And well, when I you're was, young, that, uh, an important lesson to learn, apparently you realized it is that you'll sell that dog that you have because the money sounds good, but you'll spend more than that trying to find one to replace him. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. Well, you mentioned a guy named Mike Nelson. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. And used to see Mike at the hunt a lot back in the day. Is he still involved in hunting or do you know? Um, I don't think he lives too far from me. I don't think he's hunting anymore. Yeah. It's, it's probably been a, a couple of years since I've heard him going to a hunt. I got you. I got you. Well, I think uh, most people will easily recognize you uh, for your relationship with Ike Rainey and with the Heather Island team there. And, of course, I live down here not very far from Ike um, in Florida. I I see him occasionally at the events and so forth and uh, uh, did talk to him uh, in reference to an American Cooner article not too long ago. Um, how, well, maybe we're leaving out some good stuff, but how did you progress from the point there where you and Sherm go out and win your first hunt to now you're hunting professionally? Um, I would say, uh, once, once I put my mind to something and I want to do it, I, I do it the whole way. I don't, I don't leave nothing out or, or try to do anything half, you know, I'm, if, if I'm, if I'm into it and I enjoy it, then I'm right. I'm going to do it to the fullest. Right. And I think uh, that a lot of people have seen that where uh, they know that I'm hunting hard every week, every night. And I think the, the results have showed it too on who's doing their homework during the week when they go out on the weekend and you, you can tell who's been doing their homework, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's true, and, and it's kind. Of, I'm a little incredulous to believe that, that people approach it this way. But some guys, I think the the only time they hunt the dog is at the hunt on the weekend, you know, or whatever. And I see guys like you who seem to, you know, believe, uh, and rightfully so, that you got to keep that dog in the woods. Now, what, what's your philosophy on that? Yeah, I, uh, I think that, um, you, you got to get a dog operating the the way you've seen the other dogs operate that, that are winning that, the big level, you know, um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I try to hunt hard during the week and there's some dogs that you can over hunt. Mm-hmm. So the dog, the dogs that you over hunt, it, I think it's better off to just try to run them, hunt them a couple times during the week and then run them just to keep them in shape mm-hmm. but uh as far as that if if i get a new dog i'm i'm gonna hunt that sucker hard and and see what we got see what he can take what he can't take and mm-hmm. what he needs tuned up on and as far as that well i guess we can fast forward then i want to get to i want to get to how you uh became involved with the Heather Island. I'll call it the Heather Island team. I know that 
there's a, a lot of dogs involved, a lot of handlers involved. Um, how how did you and Ike get together? Um, it was probably a year ago or, or a little more than a year, maybe a year and a half. Uh, I won my first truck and uh, I had a Florida number call me and uh, it was Ike Rainey and he was, this was before I knew him or I don't even think he knew me. And mm -hmm. he, he wanted to call and congratulate me on winning the truck. And uh, we kind of just left it at that. And mm -hmm. I said, thanks. I appreciate it. You know, I, I didn't know him from Adam or Eve, you know. And uh, right. he just called and wanted to congratulate me. And Well, I, I think that's I, sincere. <laughs> you know, Ike is a low-key guy and, uh, you know, doesn't. But, but he seems to me to be a, a really good guy and a, and a sincere guy. So I, I would just think that that's probably what the, the deal was. He wanted to congratulate you. Yeah, he that was for sure what the deal was. And uh, he, uh, I ain't met no one like him. That's one of the, the best guys out there. You know, he, uh, he'll do anything for anybody. And, mm -hmm. and he, uh, he'll call and congratulate anybody that wins something big. And that's just how he is. He's, he's right. He's proud about it, you know. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's happy for other people to win yeah. it. it. It ain't all about him or Heather Island, you know. Right. He's he's proud if anybody wins, and he wants them to know that too. So I'm pretty sure that's why he gave me a call, you know. Sure. And then did that progress into the uh, relationship as far as you handling for him, or how'd that come come about? Yeah, it uh, it did. We uh, we talked uh, about Melvin and. Uh, he was interested in Melvin a little bit and we, uh, things were kind of slow for a little bit. And he, he gave me a call, uh, one day and said, Hey, I got an extra entry to this pro classic. If, uh, if you want to go up there, I'll, I'll pay the entry and we'll split what, what we win or, or whatnot, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I went up there and did pretty good at the hunt and it pretty much just kicked off from, from there. there. Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, that is a good segue into the dog I, I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, Duel, and, and that was uh, the Melvin dog. And give me a little background. I mean, so you owned Melvin. Did you raise him from a puppy? What what was your relationship with Melvin from the start? So uh, Kevin Cable bought Melvin um off of sean bowers and he was over in ohio he was just about a year old okay. and uh me and kevin hunt regular he he lives about two hours from me so whenever he gets a new dog or or whatnot we we always go hunting no matter what he likes to come up and go hunting at my stuff and i like to go hunt down there i like to mix it up we both got the same outlooks on on hunting like mm -hmm. we like to mix our dogs up we don't want to hunt them in the same spot every night but right. uh, he uh, he brought Melvin up here, and he now said, who put the, that name on Melvin? Uh, Kevin did. Cable. He <laughs> okay. uh, he 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 named him. Is it good to you, Melvin? Yeah, yeah. Yep. I know. The first time I saw that, I thought that was about the most unusual name I'd seen hung on. <laughs> yeah, whether whether he was a good dog or not everyone was going to remember that. Name. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, that goes back to the old story of the Lipper dog houses, Lipper and how 
Dorothy House, the wife of Joe House, named that litter because UKC required you to name all the puppies back in that day. And then they went through a phase where you really just, they just assigned numbers. But she named this whole litter, the Lipper, Clipper, Dipper, Skipper, you know, all this. And then when Mac McAllister, I think, uh, well, actually Joe House uh, wanted to change the dog's name because he said, who on earth uh, would name a coon dog Lipper, you know? But that name stuck and it's become one of the, most famous names in all the history of coonhounds, you know. So I'd say Melvin uh, <laughs> is certainly a name that you remember, especially. Okay, so you got him from Kevin. Now go, go on with that story. Yeah, me and Johnny Watkins bought him off of Kevin Cable right when he was around a year old. And uh, Melvin came straight to my house, and uh, he never left my house. I, uh, I always, I kept him the whole time. I think there may have been a couple little hunts that uh, Johnny took him to, but uh, me and Melvin kind of just clicked right off the bat. And um, he was already treating Coon and, and everything before I got him. But I think I, uh, I tuned him into where he needed to be as far as moving around and uh, doing stuff a little bit faster. Well, what was his background, his breeding? Uh, the His dad was uh, Scunny River Fred Bear. Right. And, and the bottom side was Lay Him Up Lacey. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. And he was, um, as I recall, he was a white dog with, with black spots. He wasn't really the classic black-backed uh, red-headed walker dog, was he? No, he he had a kind of a, a little bit of a blanket back, um, and then uh, he, he had a little bit of a red head, but he had a blaze down the middle right. of his head. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, let's break him down just a little bit. How you know f- f- from the snap? Uh, how do you, how do you act? He uh, ever since when I had him, he he always wanted to please please me. Whatever it was, he he wanted to be your best friend and everything. Well, mm. when I when I got him, he uh, he he just had that mindset the whole time. It, it was never never anything else. He he always just was there to please you. And mm. Uh, mm. he uh, with with being that young, it it was kind of unbelievable. Like it, he he acted like a five year old dog, and and he was only a year old. Like he was just laid back and and chill mm-hmm. and uh, didn't act like a puppy, if you know what I mean. Sure. Absolutely. Well, uh, what kind of mouth did he have? Did he give a lot of mouth on the ground? What, you know, how do he operate? He, uh, he would open up. He, he wasn't a, a last strike dog, but uh, he was honest about it too. He would, uh, he would open up, he'd have a ball on the, on the ground. And then when, uh, when he'd come treed, he would turn it into a, a locate into a chop mm-hmm. unless he, unless he had some stuff to chew on, he would, he would chew just a little bit, but nothing ever to make a fuss about, you know, I he, uh, he had a big old mouth on him. I, I've treated him in at probably a mile 0.96 before. And you can mm. hear him playing his day. You know, he had, mm. he had a really good mouth. 
He was a was he a dead loner? I wouldn't say uh, he was a dead loner. Um, if there's something out of the truck that they all hit right out of the truck, then he he would he'd tree it. He wouldn't just leave it and go find his own. But uh, I'd say nine times out of ten, he he'd be by himself. There'd be a couple times where. Um, Later on, I, I bred him, and I don't know if that messed with him or not. But I had to work him, work him out of that. He thought he could hang out and party with some dogs, mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. we we got that figured out quick. Oh, I bet, yeah. Well, um, so many questions run through my mind here as you're talking. Um, he, uh, so you would consider him a good tree dog? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. And and he was he was one that. Uh, you cut him loose, he's either going to tree one right here in front of you or he'll go a mile. He uh, hmm. he wasn't just a dog that would blow through there every time. He's going to tree him as he comes to him. I and guess. if there wasn't yeah. nothing that came to him, then he's going to go till he finds one, you know. Well, he was uh, uh, pretty accurate. He had to be to win as much as he did, was he not? Yeah. Yeah, he uh, – it was very unusual to to walk to him and and not see a coon. Right, right. Well, what were some of the major wins that Melvin had? Do you recall? Yeah, uh, two. I think. Yeah, as he as a one year old, uh, I won the ACHA World Hunt with him, and mm-hmm. uh, he uh, he got in the finals, the semifinals of the one year old Super Stakes. And then he got in the semifinals of the world hunt when he's a one year old. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he's won a couple of big pro classics. Um, I've right. won a truck with him with the pro pro sport series. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just some of the oh, things yeah. off my head. For I think sure. his I think his lifetime's earnings were right around. Uh, 65,000 in PKC and 42,000 in pro sport. So he's over a hundred thousand lifetime in those two registries. Yep. Yeah. That's all. That's awesome. Okay. The thing that we hate to talk about, but you lost him and uh, you want to tell me a little bit about how that came about. Yeah. I, uh, I had him over in uh, Novo, Ohio, at uh, the pro sport truck hunt and uh I, w- I had him and marv with me which is another dog mm-hmm. and I-, I was hunting melvin early and uh we pulled off this road probably three quarters of a mile which i wasn't worried about you know it, it wasn't even a-, a major road or nothing just a old country road it seemed like mm-hmm. and uh, we had a two-hour cast and I'm winning with 10 minutes to go. I've treated two coon, uh, Kevin Morehouse's willow dog. She's Mm -hmm. treed one and she's treed again, or no, she's treed two. She treed the first one with me and then treed one on her own. And then she was treed again, uh, towards the end for the win. And, uh, it's really weird what happened. So, I tree Melvin in when we're 0.76 away scoring a, a different dog and Willow and Melvin's back towards the same way, but Melvin's right-handed at Willow and uh, we get within 200 yards of Melvin and uh, 
he just shuts up completely. And we're all standing there like, what the heck? You know, he's just been training that hard the whole time. And we uh, run the two minutes on him, and that ended up catching him. And I'm looking at my Garmin. He just peels completely out of there. Now he's running down this edge of this bean field. And uh, I'm not thinking anything about this road being up there because it wasn't no big highway or nothing. Right. Right. And uh, all I'm worried about right now is if Willow's got a coon or not, because if she sure. doesn't, I'm beat, you know. So uh, we ran the two on Melvin. It catches Melvin. Well, now the, the hunt time's over. So we, my Garmin, and he gets down towards the road, and uh, he never ran roads or nothing bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gets down towards the road. And so I turn his collar light on just because one car, whatever, you know. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, we get in there and score Willow. She's got a coon. So I'm beat. I'm 300 yards from, from Melvin. And now it's saying, uh, it, said, it showed he jumped out on the road just for a split second. And then now it's showing him treed in the ditch. And I'm like, well, dang, this sucker caught one or he's in a pipe down in this ditch, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, the closer I got to him, I was thinking, man, I sure hope this ain't what happened. And uh, I got up there, and there were some car parts laying on the road, some bumper, plastic bumper or something. And I looked down in the ditch, and there he was, laying there dead. Oh, man. And yeah. how old was he? Uh, he was a, he, he was three years old. Wow. That's yeah. such a heartbreaker. I think any coon hunter that's listening to this podcast has experienced that if they've been at it for very long. And it's just such a heartbreaker. It's such a, it, it just all kinds of emotions come through. And, and I, I know from what you've said about Melvin, he was a real personable dog. So you had quite a relationship with this dog, didn't you? Yeah. Like, uh, he, uh, he'd ride in the front seat of the truck with me everywhere we go to the hunts and stuff. And I'd take him in them hotels and, he would never, he was just like a house dog. I'd take him in right. at the house. He'd play with the kids. And he was more than just a, a hunting dog. You know, he, he was a family member for sure. Well, Duel, that's one of the things that I've tried to do over the years in my work with the registries in uh, dealing with cases where dogs have been shot. And, you know, these insurance companies and so forth, they want to portray these dogs as just a, a tool you know, just a means to an end. Uh, they don't mean anything to us. We don't take good care of them. We turn them loose and let them get in harm's way. But they have no way of knowing, I guess, but how much these dogs can actually mean to us, you know? Yeah, that's that's a fact there. I mean, we didn't just lose a dog. We we lost a family member. Like, it, it was hard to, to tell your kid where... Oh, Whereas yeah. Melvin was when you got home. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. That, that's where it imagine. hit. That's where it hit hard. Well, it you know that was a story that that sent shockwaves across the the sport, and you know with the way things are in social media now and all, we get our news almost instantly. Uh, back in the day, you know, down through the years for me, it was waiting to a until our magazine came out before we knew, you know, what was going on, unless we were, you know, closely associated. So I, I will say it 
would express the same if they had the opportunity. Of course, that was a big loss. Did you have, you, you mentioned the Marv dog. Were you, uh, you hunting him uh, for Ike at that time too? Yeah, I, I had Marv and Melvin at the, the same time. So, uh-huh. I mean, I, I still had a dog to hunt and I actually went on and, and hunted Marv late round over there in Ohio. You know, I, I was already there and already had the entries and people couldn't believe I stayed there, you know, but yeah. I, I was there, to, I was there to hunt on it. And well, what can know. you do? You know, that was there probably, wasn't nothing I could do about it. <laughs> probably the best therapy for you. And yeah. Maybe just to be out there and get your mind off some, off that and onto something else you know at least for a couple hours well that's a real tragedy did you uh you said you bred him a couple times are there any pups on the ground out of him yes sir i uh i did breed him three times he probably has uh i'd say right over 20 pups on the ground Hmm. and uh yeah there's a there's a couple of them i got some ukc wins and some some pkc wins oldest ones are out of him and piper they're, oh, okay. Uh, wow. They're just they're they're just a year old right now, and yeah, I actually got one over at a pup trainer right now, and it's a female, and he said that she's just like her mom. So hopefully, <laughs> uh, hopefully it pans out. Well, pretty good. I, I can't wait till we talk about Piper here because where you're concerned, but I want to talk to you about this uh, situation that you got yourself into down in Texas. Um, everybody was very very concerned about you. And um, I know that there were a lot of posts on social media with prayers going up for your your health and all. Tell me about what happened down there. Yeah, so uh, I was down in Texas at the the sixty five hundred dollar uh, black eyed peas hunt, and uh, it was the it was the second night. No, it was the third night. I think it was yeah, it was a Saturday night. Um, I got in the night before and, uh, Sizemore's, uh, boss, we, uh, we went out and ate lunch at a a restaurant right there on the lake by our Airbnb. And, uh, we left Melvin at the, at the house after we ate, we, uh, ran to Walmart and got some stuff that we needed and then ran to the house and picked up Melvin and changed our clothes for hunting and everything. And then, uh, we were driving over to the club and obviously I don't, I don't know Texas or none of them roads out there very good. And, uh, I think I was, um, speeding just a little bit, nothing crazy. And, uh, I missed a curve that went left-handed and there was a side road that went straight. And I think I tried to overcorrect and, I ended up hitting uh, a tree out there and uh, with Melvin in the back seat and Bronk was in the truck with me. And uh, I guess we're, we're both very lucky to even be sitting here talking about it. You know, um, it was pretty bad wreck. I, uh, I shattered my hip. I got uh, eight screws in it and a big metal plate. And uh, I exploded my artery in my neck. Mm. which they uh, said I was bleeding out. That's why I had to get flown out of there. And then Bronk, he uh, he had some head injuries and a broken femur. Um, he had to get flown out too. And we both spent a week or two in the hospital. 
he spent longer than me from his head injuries, but uh, we're both all all healed up now. You know, I mean, I get sore after I drive a, a while on my hip, which I was told that <clears throat> that would come. You know, but uh, they uh, Melvin was in the back seat of the truck, and uh, he ended up getting out after the wreck, and they found him like a mile away, treed. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Mel- Melvin's been through uh, a lot of stuff with me, too, you know. Well, I, I can certainly see that. You know, earlier on as we were talking, Duel, I was thinking about asking you about the the toughness that it must require to hunt these dogs of today when you're talking about the dog being treated a mile in there. And, and you know, we, we often discuss how these dogs are treated all four points of the compass and the incredible amount of walking that one has to do in a night hunt and just when you're in great health and feeling good. But it didn't take you all that long till you were back out there. Uh, no, no, uh, not as long as it was supposed to. Uh, my doctors told me eight to 12 months before I needed to start doing normal activity again. And uh, the Nationals was in March. My wreck happened in uh, January. I think the Nationals was in March. I might be a month off. But uh, within four months, I, I started walking on my leg again and once i figured out i could walk i started hunting again (laughs) and i I never i never told my doctors what i was doing i'm sure (laughs) and uh, i didn't have to do any physical therapy they uh on my five-month checkup they uh they checked everything over and stuff and they said we don't know what you're doing we don't want to know what you're doing but whatever you're doing keep doing it because it's working great Uh, that kind of reminds me of a story, and I have stories for everything, Duel. And if you'll indulge me real quick, I was working at the AKC in Raleigh, North Carolina. Went out to a night hunt at uh, Burlington, North Carolina. I was hunting a little Walker female at that time. And uh, while I was out there, I started having chest pains. And uh, long story short, I'll cut right to it. Ended up having to take an ambulance ride back in. Uh, and uh, I was having a heart attack, and I ended up having dual um, bypass surgery at Duke University Hospital. So shortly after that, when I go back to my cardiologist for checkup, they put me on a stress test, and I'm on this, uh, I'm on a, a a treadmill, and they want my see how long it takes me to get my heartbeat up to 120 beats a minute over, you know. Time's going by, time's going good shape. What are you doing, you know, to keep keep your heart rate in, in, uh, in such good shape, you know? And I said, well, it's like this. I go out to Jordan Lake, which was a big lake there in Ra- near Raleigh, and I said, I turn two coonhounds loose about dark, and I try to get them rounded back up by daylight. And the doctor said, hey, tell me a little bit more about this. I've never heard about this before. And we had a good laugh out of it. But apparently coon hunting can be good exercise, especially if you hunt those wide hunting dogs. Yeah, you're right on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the Melvin story did not turn out the way we would like it to. The story of your truck accident, absolutely, we're glad that you uh, – 
uh, and Bronx survived it. And then how is he doing, by the way? Bronx good. Um, I just seen him at a hunt probably a month and a half ago. And uh, we're, we're both walking normal for now, <laughs> probably until we get a little bit older then we're really going to feel it. But as far as right now, it mm-hmm. looks to looks like we're doing all right. Well, that's good. That's really good to hear. I'm thankful for that. Prayers do get answered. Okay, let's talk about this recent um, that kind of propelled you on the front page of Saturday night, now, a week before that will actually uh, be aired. But uh, you went to the AKC World Championship. And I believe that was held in Bainbridge, Ohio. Was that right? Yes, sir. Yes, okay. sir. Had you hunted any AKC World Hunt before? No, I have not. This was the first one. Okay. Well, with all of these, uh, this is just curiosity here from from my standpoint. With all of these major, major events that you've been hunting and these pro sport events and these what we'll call phenomenal entry fees, but of course they also have phenomenal payouts. Um, so the, the qualifying started on Wednesday and I was not aware that there was even a world hunt going on at the time. I, uh, I woke up on Thursday and I seen people posting about it and I was like, well, heck that's only four hours away. That's a pretty good payout. Um, I might as well go over there, you know, and uh, I went over there on Thursday and I lost early round. I, uh, I treated three coon early round, couldn't get the last one to look. It was there. Everyone seen it. We just never could get it to look. And then uh, late round uh, went out there and, and got the job done. But I've never been to the AKC world before. Well, you know, I was hired by the AKC in 2004. I was at UK, uh, excuse me, PKC. And uh, they had had a a successful coonhound program in past years. Uh, But they didn't really take care of it very well, and it had kind of gone away. And they wanted to uh, start the program back up. You know, they wanted a new program. Well, actually... I told them when they began to talk to me, I said, if if we're going to do this right, we just need to scrap basically what we got and start over. So we did, and we, you know, we worked hard at it. And I had Jerry Mall that worked for PK, was one of the fellows that I hired, to, and he worked with me at AKC, Lindell Price from Virginia, Jimmy Phillips from Georgia, and David McKee from South Carolina. We worked real hard on that program and rewrote the rules and so forth and began to have the world hunts. And I remember the first one that I worked was at Chillicothe, Ohio, which is not all that far from where you were, I believe. And uh, But at any rate, we had a lot of fun with it. and all. But the coon hunters never did uh, follow suit with uh, registering their dogs with AKC. And that's kind of been the problem. You know, UKC's been the primary registry for coonhounds, you know, forever. And then, of course, PKC with their super stakes programs and things like that have gotten a lot of registrations too. 
But AKC, it sounds like that they're kind of making a comeback here because, uh, you know, at one time we had that thing uh, up, you know, around, we were getting close to, to 500 dogs at a world hunt. But it, you know, it, it went backwards there. And, uh, but now I think they were up to almost 70 dogs in this hunt. Well, folks, uh, you probably weren't aware of it, but we took a little break there uh, to um, kind of (laughs) reboot as far as uh, the equipment is concerned. So that's some of the things that happen from time to time in this podcasting world. I'm here with Duel Murphy, and of course, Duel and I were talking about the AKC World Hunt that he has just uh, uh, won with... uh, his uh, female tree and walker named Piper. Duel, when you uh, when I did a little research on Piper, I saw that she kind of had two or three different names. Uh, I found her where she was called Pay the Piper, and then I saw where she was called Little Piper. And uh, is there a story about any of that? Yeah. Uh, see, uh, her uh, <clears throat> her first name was uh tracker's little piper and okay. uh that's that's the main name that she had when she was younger and then uh when ike bought her um her name got switched to heather island pay the piper okay so yeah, but yeah that that's where that came from <laughs> okay so that's her official name now yes yeah okay well good Good. Well, we got that cleared up. Folks, I knew you were wondering about that, so now you know. (laughs) Duel, as I was thinking here when we had a little break here, uh, I was thinking about the fact that, uh, you know, this podcast has traditionally been for the kind of the coon hunting purists, the the older guys, really, uh, that have been around coon hunting for a long time. And, uh, just kind of that kind of fit with me. I'm 76 years old. So, uh, uh, it it should be right around then. I mean, that doesn't include the, the pleasure hunting and stuff I did just for fun, but as far as, uh, the competition hunting and stuff, I'd say right around six or seven. Right. Well, I definitely know that there's a different mindset, you know, with younger people, we have grandchildren and, and, uh, you know, and I talk with them and I talk with a lot of young guys, but I know the game has definitely changed uh, from what it was when uh, I was involved in it. Uh, I did quite a bit of competition hunting before I went to work at the registries, but then I spent 33 years on the other side of the desk from you guys, you know, at the events, at the entry tables, um, you know, all that that entails. So I've kind of uh, had uh, different uh, ideas about the sport, I'm sure, than you've had. But um, in the six or seven years that you've been involved now with uh, competition hunting, have you seen any changes, changes in the dogs or the style of hunting? Or, Of course, there's been some changes in the rules back and forth and all. Or is it pretty much the same when you came in? Um, I would say uh, there has been some changes. I mean, just like you mentioned, as far as the rules and stuff like that. Um, but the the payouts um, 
Mm. It seems like they, they get steeper and steeper each year and, uh, they're, they're making it <clears throat> to where, uh, a guy, if all he does is hunt and he does pretty good at it, he can, he can make a real good living off of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're one of those few guys, I think, that do that pretty much. Well, you're not actually full-time coon hunting. You're working a job as well, aren't you? Yeah. So uh, my dad owns a construction business, and I uh, I run around. We probably have 50-plus guys that work for us. And uh, I run around to the meetings and make sure stuff's getting done and, and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, um, I, I hunt every night. But uh, I got a pretty easy schedule too. Well, sure, I I understand. Well, good for you. Uh, how typically how how many hours will you hunt in a night? Do you have uh, kind of a curfew, a kind of a, 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 a mark that you try to set? With me, it would always seem to be like when two o'clock rolled around. I that was kind of you know I was started thinking about going home. Uh, yeah. See, uh, it depends really. Uh, I, I try not to get out right at dark just to let traffic and, and people die down as far as mm-hmm. out and about, you know, and, yeah. uh, but if, if I'm really trying to, to work on one and get one ready for something, I mean, I'll, I'll stay out till daylight, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. but if, if one just needs tuned up or I'm just wanting to get it out, stretch its legs and see how it's doing, I, uh, I'll hunt till three or, or so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Night. If I'm not inside to take care of, but sure. uh, but other than that, if when it gets dark, I'm I'm looking around like, uh, all right, it's ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> You're like an old coon when it gets dark. It's time to get out and get make something happen. Huh? Well, listen. Do you have a fan? Uh, uh, your own family duel. Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Tell I, me uh, about that just a little bit. I got a I got a five year old boy named oh, Rhett. All right. And then I, I got a nine month old little girl named Hallie. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Yeah. What's your wife's name? Uh I don't have a wife, but okay. uh, my, my girlfriend's name is Miranda. Miranda. I have a niece yep. named Miranda. So that's cool. Yep. All right. Well, that was an assumption on my part, but that's oh, fine. <laughs> there again. There's that. Uh, you get me in trouble. That's right. Well, we were talking about miles and all. And you, you said you'd gotten a new truck, and then within what a couple of months, you put thirteen thousand on it already. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I've I've probably had five or six trucks just this year, and uh, once they get around. 30 or, or 40,000 I try to get them traded in just so I don't lose mm-hmm. too much value on them you know but yeah that uh I always think my trucks there's something wrong with them that the miles go up more on my trucks than they do on anybody else's but <laughs> it, I, I think I figured it out that I spend more time in the the truck than I do anything else you know yeah yeah what do, what kind do you prefer what brand do uh, you have? I uh I I mean, all the new trucks are pretty nice. Uh, yeah. I've had the new Tacoma and, uh, I got Chevy's now, uh, yeah. a big, I got a three quarter ton diesel and then I got a half ton Chevy that I use for hunting. I got you. Yeah. But I prefer, I prefer them. I mean, my family's always drove Chevy's their whole life, you know, but uh, I got you. <clears throat> I just, I just go with whatever works, you know? 
Oh, I hear you. Well, my my partner, we've got a dog that we partner on down in North Carolina, and or up from for me, it's up in North Carolina. But anyway, he's got a three quarter ton uh, Chevy. That's, uh, but I think that's his uh, Sunday truck. <laughs> I, yeah, not many miles on. I think he drives a. It's either a Toyota or a Nissan to hunt in. I've got an old Ford uh, F-150 I bought when I retired, so and I'm still driving it. And, uh, yeah, and it makes it, it makes it easier that uh, I got a Chevy dealership kind of local to me, and I've uh, yeah. been buying new trucks off them since I've been 18 years old. I uh, Barry, Barry Bunker Chevrolet, I, he's a older guy, and I bought my first new truck off of him, and it's a good guy right there. Is that in Huntington or? It, that's uh, south of Huntington. That's actually in Marion, Indiana. Marion, okay. Well, you mentioned yeah. Marion the other uh, in the earlier part of the podcast, and uh, I remember Marion. It's nineteen eighty six, UKC World Hunt. That's the year that Pac Man, Russ Beller's Pac Man dog, won the World Hunt, and yep. uh, that was the year we decided that we needed to go to the Zone Hunt because we were hunting all our dogs on a Wednesday night and we had dogs that weren't getting turned loose till two o'clock in the morning because we really had to double up on some of the guides uh, just to be able to get all the dogs hunted. So that's when I made the decision to go to the zone hunts and then here PKC is uh, is doing the same thing. you know do you uh, while we're on that subject, do you have a, a, a comment about that about that the new zone system for pkc yeah, world i uh i actually like it um yeah it's uh it makes it interesting you you get uh i think it what is it six six tries now well you still have the four nights at salem so. yeah yep i uh i i like it i mean i always try to i mean if i can't get one in i, I can't get one in but i would always uh like this past year, I I tried to get a dog in up at the Michigan Zone and it never worked out. And then, uh, and uh, I tried to get one in down there and just didn't play out very good. But uh, I think yeah. it's a really good idea how how they're doing it, and uh, I'd say they they'll probably stick with it in the future. Oh, I bet not, they will too. Because if not, add more zones. Yeah, and they, they probably will do that as well. In fact, that's what UKC did. We started out with four. And it does. It gets that uh, first couple nights uh, close to home, you know. And uh, but PKC takes it an extra step because if you don't make it in the zone, then you still got the uh, week in in Aurora, uh, not Aurora, but uh, uh, Salem. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, have you kind of kept track of your lifetime earnings? I, you probably know your PKC, I would think. Yeah, I think uh, my PKC is is right around uh, one hundred twenty thousand, and uh, the pro sport they've had, yeah. and uh, I think I'm right around seventy five or eighty thousand there, and then kind uh, of I won uh, second place at the TOC, yes. and I paid thirty thousand, yeah, and then whatever the the other little or hunts were like i won the acha world hunt i think i paid five thousand and the akc world just this past weekend yeah did that are they paying any cash on the akc world now 
Yeah, the 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 final four purse was six thousand. I see. Yep. I see. Well, that's that's impressive for sure. The money, the way it's changed. You know, I remember when I was at PKC. I left there in two thousand four, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Mill Creek Molly was the all time money leader at that time, and. I think maybe she may have surrendered that to Tam Young's hard rock dog, the the black and tan, but it was it's just around a hundred thousand dollars or so. Uh, Silver Dollar Cracker was the all time money leader for for several years there, and his earnings were around a hundred. So that's all changed dramatically. Yeah, the uh, I think the all time leader now is. Actually, one of Ike's dogs, uh, Heather Allen, Wipeout Z, yeah. and uh, that's one of my teammates' dogs, Dustin Weed. That dog, uh, I think he's around two ninety, if not three hundred thousand, right now. Yeah, amazing, really. And, amazing. Uh, and he's and he's a and Z, they're litter mates. So. Okay, yeah, yep, yeah, it's incredible. Well, good, good for you guys that are out there hunting. You know, I mean. I, I would be the last one to say, uh, you know, I, I go for all you can get, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I would be the last one to say anything against sport. You mentioned UKC, PKC, AKC, ACHA, and all. Do you have a favorite format or set of rules that you like to hunt under? I know it must be a little bit taxing to, to figure out <laughs> which one you're hunting in uh, under yeah. at the particular time. Yeah, uh, honestly, uh, like the no leash lock, I I feel yeah. like the dog that uh, w- trees the most coon wins will win the hunt. You know, uh, it's instead of uh, like PKC, they switch their leash lock rule back. Right. So now now they have leash lock, and the the way I look at it is, if I'm paying twenty five hundred dollars for an entry, and our all four dogs get split treed out of the truck and these dogs are go yonder dogs now you know here and oh, there. Yeah. and uh and they take the whole hunt to score them four dogs right. and i don't i don't believe i'm the lead walking around the whole hunt you know i think i think that dog needs to be cut loose and and see what it's made of i agree with you duel and it all it didn't make sense to me ever to think that the dog gets out there and get and trees the first coon is really getting penalized, you know. And and uh, of course, uh, uh, people see it in different ways. They think about the fact of somebody going into their dog and and moving it, and especially since we have the thermal imaging scopes now and all these things that people think about. But I think most of that thinking is done behind a keyboard or looking at a phone screen instead of out there in the woods actually hunting and seeing the the way things uh, come down. But that I'm just an old guy. Those are my opinions. But when we wrote the rules for AKC, you know, we did not include uh, a leash lock in there, you know. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. I think uh, if you're out there, whether it's $30 or – or a $5,000 entry, I think your dog deserves to be off the lead the the whole hunt, you know. I don't, oh, I don't yeah. think you should have to 
walking around everybody else's trees, you know. And like you said, the first dog that trees a coon is the one that gets punished the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Well, you and I can agree on that. <laughs> Whether it'll change anything or not, I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, let's talk about um, you know, kind of, and say this is what I want to hunt because I think I can win with it, and it would be my ideal dog. Have you ever thought about that? Yeah, uh, I think uh, a dog with a a big mouth. Um, one that gets open fairly quick because, I mean, when you got that leash lock these days, a good strike is goes a long way, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, gotta have coon, gotta be by itself, you know. I, I don't mind if they all strike a track and tree together right out of the truck, but uh, after mm-hmm. that, I I really like my stuff to be off by itself, you know. I don't like sharing the points with nobody, but uh. But uh-huh. yeah, if I could draw one up, a uh, big mouth, good strike dog, and dead loner, you know, and and one that can tree a, a layup and bushwhack them, you know, that I think that means a lot too, because a lot of people and a lot of dogs I've seen, you can uh, you can't have both of them at the same time. They don't make them. You either got one or the other, and and then then two type of dogs don't work everywhere in the world either you know right right well you know there's a lot of speculation that goes on and it's gone on on this podcast with various guests that i've had uh that you know a lot of there's one thing about a dog that's naturally independent there's another thing about a dog that's trained to be independent uh we also hear the talk going around about these dogs that are the bushwhack uh, type dogs that are trained more to run the edges and so forth. Do you think there's a lot of training that goes into all of that, or do you think that these dogs are mostly just born that way? Uh, I would say that uh, a lot of these dogs that are are dead, deep loners um, be completely wrong, but that's just the way I, I see it. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't want to... Uh, drill down into methods and all these kind of things. But, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of speculation about that. And then you'll see guys uh, uh, comment about a particular dog they have, especially if it's a stud dog that they're trying to attract uh, attention to. They'll say that, you know, this dog is naturally uh, a natural owner. He wasn't, you know, man-made that way. So, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. But I think to be realistic, we have to know that that a lot of them are for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. The way I look at it is these dogs aren't coming out perfect, you know. If, if there was, everybody would be doing it or breeding to that same dog if oh, they came yeah. out perfect, you know. Exactly. There's always – it's just like buying a new truck. That truck's probably perfect just like it is, but you're always wanting to – to tune it or, or do something, <laughs> put wheels on it or, or something, you know, you always want to make it better. You know, we used to say the old jokes, like use General Motors, for instance, they spend millions of dollars for engineers to design these trucks, you know, 
And the first thing a high school kid does when he gets a new truck, he brings it home, puts it up on blocks and starts improving. I guess it's the same thing. And this dog breeding is really, uh, it, it's not an exact science, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, you can think that you've got the absolute perfect cross and they don't turn up, you know, turn out that way at all. Well, what was your all-time favorite, has been your all-time favorite hound duel? Uh, I mean, I'm, I really haven't been in the game as, as long as everybody, so I've never got to see any of them older, older dogs go, you know, that mm-hmm. everyone talked about. Um, but, I mean, as far as being with one so much, um, and I'm not just saying it because – it was my dog or not, sure. but, uh, I would have to say Melvin. Um, I mean, you could ask multiple people. He would, uh, he would just invent coons. Like all these other dogs would, would run by this section or something. And he would, uh, just wheel right around and, and find something that they could never even smell. It seemed like, you know, and I think that's why he was so consistent on winning because, he yeah. could smell stuff that other dogs couldn't, and he could treat, like we were talking about, both styles of coon, the bushwhack coon or the, the layups, right, you know. Right, 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 Well, again, you know, we'll, we'll have to result. It's just, it's not fair, but uh, things happen for a reason, so. And then here you come along with Piper, and she's, you're picking up, you know, continuing the winning. Uh, right along. Uh, talk a little bit about the Marv dog you're hunting. Uh, yeah, so uh, Marv, I, I think I got him back in uh, June. Um, Dustin Weed, Michael Ward, they were they were hunting him a little bit, and uh, I got him, and he actually finished uh, second place at the PKC World uh, last, not this past couple weeks ago, but the year before right, right he got second and then skip a year and that year i think he was a year old he got second down there too um but no so his, his style is uh he's a, a barking dog so as soon as you cut him he's he's striking mm-hmm. don't don't know what he's barking at but he he's barking the whole time he and, knows uh, but <laughs> yeah we don't and a lot of, and a lot of people don't like that but as far as for competition hunting that's kind of what you want really as, as far as I look at it. Um, but he's a, he moves around really good and he's a dead loner and he's really good about having his coon. Um, yeah. he's a, I think he's, like I said earlier, I think he's four, maybe going on mm-hmm. five, but, uh, is I he like a, him a lot. Is he a wipeout bread dog? Yes, sir. He's uh-huh. three. Yeah. Well, that kind of that line of dog and, uh, it's amazing how these different strains of dogs, you know, you can kind of pick them out by, by the characteristics and, and by their looks as well. But, uh, yeah. Well, okay. Uh, when it comes to these dogs that you hunt, I'm going to, if, you know, I'm, I'm not in the workings of the Heather Island organization, but I do want just some general uh, information that I think would be interesting to my listeners. Uh, when you, when it comes to the hunts that you go to, who decides which hunts? Does does Ike decide those, or do you decide, or you guys just 
talk about it or how's that work? Uh, we, uh, we pretty much decide where, where we want to go. Um, mm-hmm. if, uh, Ike wants us to go somewhere, we'll, uh, we'll definitely go for sure, you know, but, sure. uh, other than that, we, we kind of make our own schedule as far as where okay. we go and, and when we go I or you. what hunt we go to, you know, mm-hmm. well, that, it, that's what makes it yeah. easy. Oh yeah. 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 It would for sure. Well, you're talking to a guy that always worked for someone else. I was never actually in business for myself. I worked for Fred Miller uh, for all those years at UKC and was, you know, ran the Coonhound department there. But Fred was the boss, and whatever Fred said, that's what I did. That was easy for me. It was always easy for me to to assume that role. When I was in the military, I knew what the rules were. You know, I had a, a certain rank. Those that had more, I did it. Someone else, I think. And when you have a good leader, as obviously you do, uh, you know, it makes things work really, really smoothly. Well, um so basically then uh do you try to make a hunt every weekend? Uh I mean, I don't think you really even have to try these days. They're, well, yeah. they're so they're so booked up with them, you yeah. know. But yeah. uh uh see during the summer um they try to have most of the hunts like up up this way towards the north to right. stay away from the snakes and alligators down south. But uh <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's bad down there. I don't oh, like yeah. talking about that stuff. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. But uh, other than that, so I think right around January is when they they got that uh, hunt out there in Texas called the Lone Star Five Thousand. Yeah, yeah, and I that's, that's a Texas. really good hunt. Oh, it is for sure. I enjoyed that one when I was with PKC. Uh, that hunt cranked up out there when while I was at PKC. Guy Manning and and all those guys out there, and yeah. So you kind of Texas kind of kicks off the year for you. Yeah, as far as like getting away from up north, really. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's like Texas and uh, in January, like there's a hunt out in Oklahoma in a couple weeks. Uh, it's a pro classic this okay. weekend. There's a pro sport hunt in Illinois, and then. In three weeks, there's another truck hunt in Tennessee. Yeah, I saw um, that. For pro sport. Yeah. Yeah. So they they keep the schedule busy. <laughs> oh, I, I imagine. Well, it's uh, it takes a young man to be able to keep up with all that. And you are amazing uh, having, you know, endured the injuries that you have and that you're still able to follow these go-yonder dogs around like you do. But, uh, well, okay, let me ask you this. This is something that, that comes to mind to me. Uh, do you take care of, I, I'm not talking about who pays for it. I'm talking about whose responsibility is to put the entry in. I mean, is that something that's done from an office or you just say, okay, I'm going to this when I, it's my responsibility to enter that. Um, we, we, uh, so some of them pro classics and pro sport hunts, uh, the entries sell out within five to 10 minutes, you know? Oh yeah. So, uh, we, uh, we have to call in our own entries, you know? Okay. Um, so I think the PKC opens up at nine in the morning. So we, uh, all get up and, and start calling to hopefully we can get a spot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's crazy, isn't it? 
Oh, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, I think just the average guy out here that's going to a small hunt. And, and you know, God bless those guys. There are people out there having fun with coon hunting, uh, you know, pleasure hunting and going to a small hunt, maybe a UKC or maybe an open event uh, during the week or whatever. And there should be something for everybody. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, like there's sometimes that uh, when we're when I'm trying to call and, and get an entry to a hunt, I really want to go to for PKC entering 16 times before you get through, you know, like wow. I've, I've had to yeah, I've had because <laughs> it just goes to the busy line. So you just have to keep recalling and recalling and recalling. And then you, you finally get through and hopefully they say, yep, we we got entries left or nope, we, we just sold out, you know, <laughs> so well, you I never know what you get until till you get the phone answer and you're like yeah oh what do we got <laughs> as like calling Ticketmaster or something we got uh george Strait and chris stapleton coming to tampa <laughs> next oh, august yeah. not so you know already you know that thing's selling out yeah well that, that's an interesting um uh view of of what coon hunting has become on certain levels and uh, what are your plans for Piper now? Uh, see, uh, my, my plan was since I had her as a puppy, I wanted to make her a platinum champion. And okay. that's that's winning over 20000 in in PKC. Well, uh, right. we did that two weeks ago at the PKC World. When we got down there, she had 13001 And then <clears throat> I got in the top nine. And uh, that, that paid 7000 So that, that made her platinum. But uh, as far as what we're going to do with her, uh, I don't think we're going to breed her this this time around. I would like mm-hmm. to uh, keep pushing her and see what else we could win. You know, Well, she's really, – go ahead. I'd really like to win a truck with her. That mean, that'd mean a lot because I won one with Melvin. You sure. know, and it'd be cool if I could win one with her too. Oh, absolutely. Those guys, hats off to her organization. They really stepped up the game it before where you can go in a new truck every month it's unbelievable well that was the big thing you know back in the day to win a truck you know i think jarvis humphers was the first one to do that and it was at but it was a lease you won like a six months lease on a ford ranger or something you know it was a small truck you know uh and um still kentucky uh, and, uh, we, you know, we gave away a truck and, uh, but you know, those were just leases. You got the truck for, for, uh, six months and then it was, you know, if you wanted to buy it, you could or lease it or whatever. But then, you know, things started with the, the truck hunts, getting that pup ticket, get that handler ticket. It used to be. And uh, that was always a wild and crazy ride to try to come up with that ticket every every month. And I guess that's still going on with those hunts at the at the uh, boat, as they say. Yep, yep, it is. Uh, I actually got a a truck ticket on Piper this year, so so I think uh, they got that hunt down there in February. So maybe Piper can get down there and win us one. She got in the final four two years ago down there, but we didn't have no luck. Yeah, well, that's, uh, 
luck's where you make it, I think. And, and you know, the old saying, you'd rather be lucky than good. But there is always an element of luck in this game, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, it goes down to cutting a dog. And if yours goes the right way, good. If it goes the wrong way, well, there goes your luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the best of them. Yeah, I'm working with a young hunter right now. We, we start, and she's been a little bit of a challenge but anyway i and he's got a really nice young dog male dog and uh, you know you get discouraged sometimes when they have bad nights or you know and i try to tell him you know every dog's gonna have a, a bad night now and then and uh you just gotta you know work right on through it but uh, how do you handle that with a dog let's say you get a dog and you know, it's just when, 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 and all of a sudden goes into a slump. You ever had that uh, happen? Yeah, I have. And, uh, I'll, I'll approach it two different ways. I'll, uh, go home and try to work on what, what's wrong. And, uh, if that isn't doing it, then, uh, I'll leave, I'll set them up for uh -huh. a week or two and let them reset themselves. You know, I mean, sometimes they just get plumb more out than, yeah. It ain't it ain't their fault, you know. They they're just like us when we're tired. That we forget with these dogs sometimes. You know, a dog's endurance is a, a an amazing thing. And you think about foxhounds and things that run, you know, all night long. Coonhounds that hunt two rounds, you know, in in tough competition and and treeing. That's hard on a dog. Just the act of treeing, bouncing up and down on those back legs and barking uh you know it's all strenuous sometimes that they need to recover so yeah you're exactly right do you do anything besides hunting to condition a dog uh i got one of them uh electric bikes and yeah. uh i'll uh i'll ride that um when these crops get off i'll ride ride the dogs up and down the fields you know okay um, yeah if if i don't want to take it out hunting i mean i'll just run it run yeah. it on the I, i've run them on the treadmill too mm -hmm. but uh i i honestly like to just take them to the woods yeah yeah well i'm sure that's the best well you're gonna have uh you know you're in in a beautiful time of year to live in indiana but that's not going to last all winter <laughs> no you're gonna get some rough weather up there i know i lived in southern michigan for 22 years so uh do you kind of go down south then when uh when the weather gets bad or yeah if if, if i notice that the weather's going to be bad for a, a week or two straight i'll i'll head south um i'll either go down to ike's or or a buddy's in tennessee or or anywhere right. you know just somewhere right. to get out of this stuff up here sure sure well, some of those guys I know down here, you know, I bump into them at the hunt to Heather Island, uh, James Wright, and Oliver Wynn, Malcolm Rains, and uh, uh, Ernest, uh, the good hunters down here. You mentioned the darn snakes and alligators kind of run me out. And then it's also so stinking hot, man. You can't get your breath in the summertime down here. But those guys still get out there. Yep, yep. <laughs> They're uh hats off to them for oh. hunting down there and that stuff. That's that's wild. I, I went down there this summer to Ike's and hunted down there for a week 
and uh the last night i was there it rained pretty good during the day and uh we were in a 90 minute cast and we killed seven snakes down there <laughs> in that cast and uh after that cast i called ike i said hey i said i'm rolling north i said I'm not walking in this stuff again right now. I oh, said, this is crazy. I don't know. Do we don't it. have snakes up here. No, no, I know that. You know, and like in, in southern Michigan, I never uh I never saw a snake at night. I did see a few water snakes and stuff around creeks. And but uh, yeah, I just don't do it. I of course at my age and all, but the gators and the snakes can have it down here. And one of the last casts that I went on. Uh, was a PKC cast, and Malcolm guided us on one of Ike's uh, places there. And I stepped out of the truck, and the mosquitoes absolutely tried to carry me off. Uh, <laughs> I got back in the truck. And my buddy Mac was handling the dog, and I, I must have killed mosquitoes for 30 minutes once I yep. got back in the truck. <laughs> it's crazy, crazy stuff. Well, Duel, I've certainly enjoyed our visit. Um, I want to congratulate you again for winning the, the AKC World Championship with Piper. Uh, that was a hunt that was very near and dear to my heart for a while because I lived with it for a few years there. But all the accomplishments that you've done uh, in your uh, short tenure as a coon hunter, it's quite amazing, and I'm just really glad uh, to have you on the podcast and thank you for your time today. Hey, I appreciate it. And, uh, anytime, anytime, buddy, uh, I enjoyed it. And, uh, I'd like to thank a couple people. Yeah. I, we were going to do that. Let's do that. Please do. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank Ike Rainey for, uh, everything he's done for me in the last year and a half and lets me live my dream as, as much as I want, you know, and, uh, Razor lights with Johnny Watkins. He uh, he supplies me with the the best light that I've ever used. I'm, it's never left me in the in the woods dark, you know. Yeah. And uh, Coon Hunter Supply. That's also Johnny Watkins. Mm -hmm. He uh, supplies me with anything I need. And uh, all the all my dogs in my kennel are are fed by Joy. Um, some of the bed been in this, but uh, I don't know how you could ask for much more. Well, and, you uh, certainly can't, that's for sure. Yeah. Nope. And uh, one more would be uh, Deep Shaft Outdoors. My buddy out in Illinois owns it. And uh, just anybody else that I miss, I appreciate it, and uh, I thank you all. Well, Duel, I'm sure they're all proud to be your sponsors, and and uh, they uh, are probably, as I am, quite impressed with you as a young man, as a family man, as a coon hunter, and as a winner on the major stage of coon hunting. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. I think a lot of people will really enjoy meeting you through this medium. And I uh, just wish you nothing but the best, buddy. I sure appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Well, I have a way of closing out this podcast uh, each week. And, and uh, I'll just say, if anybody asks you where that old worn-out coon hunter Steve Fielder is, tell them he's up there in in northeast indiana and the dogs are treed and they've gone to the dogs <laughs> yes sir